0: Gratitude. It's a tiny little word, but it holds a tremendous amount of power in our life. Pastor just finished a series about marriage. I do. How many of you had an opportunity to be here for that series and hear that? Wasn't that good? Challenging? Well, I want to challenge you a step further today. Not just in your marriage relationship, but in life in general. How is it that you view life? How is it that you view this day that God has made for you? What if we had gotten up this morning and the sun was nowhere to be found? I promise you, a whole lot more people would be in this worship auditorium today (laughs) if the sun had not risen they would have thought we had set the clocks ahead 12 hours instead of 1. But gratitude, what difference does it really make? Psalm eighteen twenty-four says, This is the day that the Lord has made, and I will rejoice and be glad in it. Be thankful for this day. Psalm 100 says, Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and enter his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name for the Lord is good. His love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. There is a tremendous amount of emphasis that God places in Scripture on thanksgiving, on gratitude. We look in Deuteronomy 16, it says in verse 10 Then celebrate the Feast of Weeks to the Lord your God by giving a freewill offering in proportion to the blessings the Lord your God has given you, and rejoice before the Lord your God at the place He will choose as a dwelling for His name. You, your sons and daughters, your men servants and maidservants, the Levites in your town, the aliens, the fatherless, the widows living among you. 350 years ago, the pilgrims set aside a day to give thanks to the Lord. 3,000 years before that, God called this the Feast of Weeks, a harvest festival. Where people would come and bring an offering of gratitude for all that God had done in the last year. It didn't just involve the father, it didn't just involve the mother, it involved the whole family. All of them came. It says in Deuteronomy 4 9 through 14, only be careful and watch yourselves closely so that you do not forget the things your eyes have seen or let them slip from your heart as long as you live. Teach them to your children. And to their children after them, remember the day you stood before the Lord at Horeb, when he said to to me, assemble the people before me to hear my words, so that they may learn to revere me as long as they live in the land, and may teach them to their children. You came near and stood at the foot of the mountain, while it blazed with fire to the very heavens, with black clouds and deep darkness, the Lord spoke to you out of the fire. and You heard the sound of the words but saw no form. There was only a voice. He declared to you His covenant, the Ten Commandments, which He commanded you to follow, and then wrote them on two stone tablets. And the Lord directed me at that time to teach you the decrees and laws you are to follow in the land you are crossing the Jordan to possess. Remember. Remember. And be grateful. Remember and be grateful. Tell your children and your children's children. That's really all I want to talk about this morning. And Pastor Jared and I—it's it's kind of funny because we really didn't talk about. He he spoke um, last night at the bridge, and and, and I'm speaking this morning. Uh, if you didn't. Realize that by now, it's not Pastor Farrell up here, okay, it's me. Um, uh, Pastor Farrell and his family are away, they went to a training in uh, California, and they'll be traveling back in the next day or two, so please keep them in your prayers. Um, But Pastor Jared spoke on gratitude last night at the bridge and did a beautiful job, Um, and he talked about, uh, and I love the account from Luke, about the ten lepers that God touched, and the one that came back and showed gratitude, and and I want to talk to you this morning about the same thing. I'm going to use a different passage of scripture, but I want to talk about the incredible power of thanksgiving. What comes uh, out of this wellspring of gratitude? If we'll give, no pun intended, um, but if we will, if we will give our life and and give our hearts to God and be grateful to him with every day that he gives us and rejoice in each passing day. There are tremendous things that God can do in and through our lives. Acts 16 is uh, the passage of scripture I want you to, to draw your attention to today and beginning in verse 16, I believe we have that on the screen, we do. Once when we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a slave girl who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. She earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune telling. This girl followed Paul and the rest of us shouting, these men are servants of the most high God who are telling you the way to be saved. Now this is the second missionary journey of Paul and Silas is with him and And uh, this slave girl is following them through town, and and she's not saying, bring us back to 17, guys. She's not following them around town. Uh, 17, you had it. There you go. These men are servants of the Most High God who are telling you the way to be saved. That wasn't what she was saying. She was following them around town saying, these men... These guys are servants of the Most High God, and they are telling you the way that you are to be saved. She was making a mockery of what they were doing, making a mockery of of Paul and Silas. And too much had happened in Paul's life for him to take too very much of that. And she kept this up for many days, verse 18 says. And finally, Paul became so troubled that he turned around and said to the spirit, In the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. And at that moment, the spirit left her. When the owners of the slave girl realized that their hope of making money was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and they dragged them into the marketplace to face the authorities. They brought them before the magistrates and said, These men are Jews and are throwing our city into an uproar. By advocating customs unlawful for us Romans to accept or practice. The crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas. And the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten. Verse 23. After they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison. And the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. Upon receiving such orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in stocks. About midnight. Midnight. Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the other prisoners were listening. And suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And all at once the doors flew open and everybody's chains came loose. This was the original jailhouse rock. Now I want you to understand something. When Paul and Silas were placed in that cell. They were placed, they were shackled. They were, their hands were bound, but they were in stocks. They had been beaten, brutally beaten, before they were placed in this cell. And then they were placed down, I don't know if everybody can see me, but they had to sit in the cell, put their feet up in stocks. I can't even hold them up like that. It shows you how out of shape I am. Let's prop them like that, okay? <laughs> Closed them down had their hands shackled. I can't imagine not being beaten, not being bruised, not being wounded in any way, shape, or form how uncomfortable this would become after about three or four minutes. But to be bruised and battered and beaten and thrown into this cell and placed in those stocks and yet they were praying They were singing hymns unto God. In the worst of circumstances, they were finding a place of gratitude. They were thanking God for who he was, regardless of their circumstances. Because even though they had been bound by human beings, they were still indeed very free men. The jailer woke up. And when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself, we're all here. The jailer called for lights. He rushed in and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. And then he brought them out and asked, sirs, I, what must I do to be saved? They replied, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. You and your household. And then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all the others in the house. And at that hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds. And then immediately he and all his family were baptized. And the jailer brought them into his house, set a meal before him. He was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God. He and his whole family. There is a lot of stuff that just happened right there. And Acts is a whole lot bigger than that little passage, but there's a ton of stuff that went on right here in this passage of Scripture. And I want us to kind of take a few moments this morning to to dissect this just a little bit and look at the things that God has done here. First, I want us to to look at the first thing that, that gratitude does in our life. Gratitude... Uh, the first thing there in your handout it calls us to action gratitude calls us to action in acts chapter 9 uh, you, most of you know this account you've heard this account before i'm not going to i'm not going to read that on the on the screen this morning but that is the damascus road experience that paul had he had been persecuting christians and He's walking along this Damascus road, and and suddenly he is confronted with the true and living God. And he is—you remember the story—he is struck blind; he cannot see, and he goes uh, into town, and and he and and then Ananias uh, is told to go to the street called Straight, and to pray with this man, to talk to this man, and it says that. That Saul was there for three days. And after the third day, it says that scales fell from his eyes. And that he could see. So he could see before, but he didn't see what God wanted him to see. And God had done a tremendous work in his life. And it says that immediately... Immediately after that happened, he was filled with the Holy Spirit and he began going about preaching and telling people about this God, about this Jesus that he had just had an encounter with. And so when he goes into this, he's heading to this place of prayer and he comes into this town and this woman is there and she's saying the things that she's saying and she's doing the things that she's doing. It called him to action. He could not just sit around and listen to her mockery. He could not just sit around and listen to the deceit and the the perversion of the enemy. He had to turn around and speak to that thing and speak truth into that life. So the first thing that gratitude did in Paul's life is it called him to action. One of the reasons that we're having this missions conference next weekend is we are compelled to action. God has been good to me. He has been so good to me. My wife has a praise and worship CD, and I don't remember the name of the lady who's singing on this CD, but I love what she says. She's, and I don't even remember the song, but she's singing this song, and she says, if God's just been a little bit good to you, you stand there and don't do anything at all. But if he's been a whole lot good to you, I want you to sing praise and adoration. I want you to lift your voices unto God. You know, that's something to think about. When we come in here on Sunday morning, you know, the act of praise and worship, that's just one form of worship unto God. I pray it's not the only time you're worshiping during the week. And you do understand that your lifestyle, your, the way you live your life is an act of worship unto God. But that's something to think about the next time we come in here. You know, even if we don't sing real well and we don't want people to hear us and we're trying to, you know. If God's been good to you, man, make a joyful noise. It don't matter if it's out of tune. You know, if it's real, real bad attitude, just sit back there toward the back, you know. i just kidding. Those mics drown you out. We can't hear you at all. But, but because of what God has done in our life, because of his grace and mercy, because of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, we are called to action. We are compelled to share the truth of the gospel, and that's what Paul did in this passage. Secondly, what happens in our life is it develops boldness within us. You know, that's one of the things that the Spirit of God does in our life, is it causes us to be bold. When we look at that passage of Scripture, and it says in verse 17, this girl followed Paul and the rest of us shouting, these men are servants of the Most High God, who are telling you, the way to be saved, and she she kept it up and up and up, and finally, have you ever been there in your life? Have you ever been there where you just had all you could take? You know, you just couldn't listen anymore, and you said, all right now, what I'm gonna say is about to hurt your feelings. But I got to tell you the truth. Have you ever been there? I've been there. The the staff make fun of me here at the church, they call me Angry Andy. <laughs> They say when I've had enough that I'm, a, and I'm really not. I told my mom that one day, and she's like, now, Andy, you know, she got that mama voice going on. You don't need to be walking around angry all the time now. You need to quit, cut that out. I'm like, mama, I'm not. I promise. But it gives us a boldness where we just say, you know what? Enough is enough. It's time to step up and have a voice and be heard and be bold about it, not Not concerned, not timid, not afraid, but knowing that what we're sharing is the truth. And I'm talking primarily about when you're sharing your faith. And hopefully that's in every realm of your life that you're doing that. Paul Paul had this boldness, but this boldness came from him answering four critical questions in his life. And there are four questions that you have to answer this morning. Because I want to tell you something. With these four questions right here, there is a bombardment in the world uh, as to what the answer to this question, these questions are. Um, there are a lot of people arguing that they are not what the Bible teaches that they are. And the first question that Paul had to answer uh, in, in this boldness coming, and that boldness was from the Lord. But the first question he had to answer was, who is God? Who is God? Who is this God that met me in Acts 9 on that Damascus road? He got that answer very clearly three days later when those scales fell from his eyes. These four questions, guys, and you may want to write these. I don't have this in your notes. You may want to write this on the back of your, um, of your uh, little study guide there. But they are foundational to our Biblical Christian worldview, And you know it is very important for you. You may have not ever heard that terminology before. But it's just the way you see the world. It's the way you see uh, everything around you through the lenses that you wear. And as a Christian, it's very important to have a solid foundation underneath you. You understand, just like the house that you live in, you don't want that thing to have a a shifting foundation. You don't don't want it uh, to be questionable. You want it to be solid and firm. Am I right? Everybody with me? Yeah? The same goes for our foundation as a, when we talk about our belief system. So who is God? Who is he? Well, who does the world say God is? The world says God's a whole lot of things, right? Well, who is God and where do you find him? Well, I find him on the inside of me. If I live long enough, then there will be self actualization and I will discover the God within me. No, you won't. Watch the people that are just going along and waiting to self discover and see how confusing their life is, how confused they are. We've got to be able to answer the question who is God? John 1. I love that first chapter of John. And I always tell new Christians to read the book of John first. That's the first book you should read. Because the very first verse in John chapter 1 says, In the beginning, God. In the beginning was God. He was there in the beginning. He is the first and the last, who was and is and is to come. He is our creator. He is our deliverer. He is our savior. That is who God is. And his name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. There is the triune God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Jesus the Christ came and died on a cross for you and I. And I know that you're sitting there this morning saying, why are you saying this? We know that. That's so fundamental. That's so foundational. Because people are walking around this world today, and they're spewing all kinds of things about God. But they are not naming that God. They are not saying that his name is Jesus. We sing about him. We sing his name. We preach about him. We preach his name. We sit down in small groups. We tell you what his name is because he is the only true and living God. And this is not my truth. This is not something that I came up with. This is the Bible. This is what it teaches us. So that first question has to be answered. Who is he? Who is God? Can I get an amen on that? Amen. Do you believe that this morning? And then, secondly, who is man? Who is man? Genesis tells us that we were created in the image of God, in the likeness of God. Romans teaches us that we are predestined to be conformed into the image of who God is. So, who is man, and what is our purpose here? It is to live a life of obedience to God because He has a plan of abundant life for you and I. Then thirdly, what's wrong? What is wrong? In this passage of Scripture, in Acts 16, what we see here when Paul looks at this set of circumstances, there are a bunch of things wrong. One of the things that's wrong is there's a slave girl involved here who is possessed by a demon. Now that's bad in and of itself. You know what's even worse than that? What greed made her masters do. Or or not made, but they chose to do because of greed. Because of greed, they chose to exploit a horrible thing in her life. Use it for their own personal gain. And keep her enslaved. They were satisfied in her never being delivered from that. Being sick being wounded, being broken, as long as they made money. Because the reason Paul and Silas, you understand the reason they were cast into prison wasn't because they did this thing for this girl. It was because they just took away somebody's income. They took away somebody's form of income, the way they made money. They could sit around and do nothing, let her do her thing, and they were just raking it in. And this man of God, this fellow who was a persecutor of Christians, stood up and said, enough is enough. And I believe it was for many reasons. I believe it was not just because he wanted people to know the God that he served. But he, more than anything else, wanted that girl to know the God that he served. To no longer be a slave anymore. And to be free. So that's what was wrong there. What's wrong in the world that we live in today is this question. What is wrong? I mean, is wrong really wrong? Come on. You're an old fuddy-duddy. This is 2009, man. Is it really wrong? That's our greatest enemy today. That's our greatest enemy. There was a movie. um, Got eight, I think, Academy Award nominations. Milk. About a homosexual activist. Celebrated his life. and Now look, God loves, he loved that man. We love, Pastor talked about alternative lifestyles in the services that we had earlier. But, guys, the Bible is very clear on homosexuality. It's very clear. It is not something to be celebrated. See, they celebrate you know, that that this was a lifestyle that he lived and we're gonna celebrate that this movie did well and we're you know we're making inroads. But what they don't celebrate is after some of the greatest victories that Mr. Milk had in nineteen seventy seven, he died in nineteen seventy eight. The lifestyle guys is a killer. It isn't healthy. It isn't good for you. There's a reason God said don't do it. And it's not because he didn't want the flesh, your flesh, to be satisfied, but he said in the proper context, it needs to be satisfied. And it's so hard for us to say amen to this because it's because we want to be correct politically. We want to reach. Everybody, we don't want anybody to be hurt, and I don't want to hurt anybody this morning. But I'm telling you, the Bible says that it is wrong, that it is harmful for you, and you should not do it. There is a right and wrong. There is a moral absolute And we have got to abide in it. And we've got to speak up for it. It doesn't mean that we're going to change everybody's mind. I'm not responsible for them making a decision for Jesus. But I am responsible to tell them what the Bible says. We're responsible for that. What is wrong? There is a wrong. What's wrong with our world today is nobody wants to admit that there's anything that is wrong. If it's good for you and it doesn't hurt me, go for it. Mm. Generations will pay for thinking like that. What is the solution? We know what it is. I said it over and over again just a few moments ago. What's his name? Jesus. Jesus. When I was in college, I had a professor. He said, the answer to every question and the solution to every problem is Jesus. But if you put that at the end of every question I ask you on your test, you will fail. (laughs) And I'm like, wait a second now. You just contradicted yourself. I don't know the answer. Jesus. There you go. (laughs) Why is this important? Why am I? You may be sitting there this morning going, man, why is this dude harping on this so much? Do you know why? Because nine percent of professing Christians in America have a biblical worldview. Nine out of all the people who profess to be Christians, center their worldview on the Bible. Guys, we gotta have a foundation. Firm under our feet. And the only one is the one that is built on the truth of the word of the living God. Amen. Thirdly. Gratitude toward God promotes intimacy with God. Intimacy with God. Acts 16, 18. The reason that Paul knew. The reason that Paul knew what was going on with this girl is because he walked intimately with God. He walked closely with God. He knew God and God opened up a door. He opened up an opportunity for him to share life with this girl. Have you ever had God do that in your life? Isn't that amazing when you're just going along your day? The the greatest gifts people ever give me are when I get the phone calls from folks and they say, I don't really understand a lot of what y'all talked about Sunday, but I, but I want to know this, this Jesus. Can you help me with that? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Honey, uh, go ahead and feed the kids. I'm going to meet somebody. That's payday. That's the greatest day ever when you get to share your faith, when, when God opens up an opportunity for you to, to bring glory to the name of Jesus. Not for myself to receive glory, but for God to get glory. It promotes intimacy with God. Then fourthly, gratitude is a miracle-creating attitude. It's a miracle-creating attitude. Huh. They, Paul turns around speaks to this girl. The owners of this girl and, and the magistrates that are involved, they're all up in arms and they're going to put them in jail. They throw them in those stocks, and they bind them up, and they start singing, and they start worshiping, and they start praising the Lord. And I, I've never, how many of you have ever, I've never experienced an earthquake. Have any of you ever lived in an earthquake zone? Some of you have. We don't want to experience one, do we, guys? <laughs> um, I can only imagine. I, I know uh, when, when they, we've run the hell promo, have, have you noticed how the lights shake so loud. One of the reasons I don't want to go to hell is there's way too much bass in hell. I, I just, I thought, man, wow, there's a lot there. Um, but, um, but when you, you know, we feel that little rumble or a car goes by and it's it's blaring and you can, your, your car is shaking at the traffic light, you know, and you're thinking they'll be deaf in five years. They won't hear nothing. They're Miracle Ears', ears best friend, you know, because they can't hear anything. I can't even imagine what it must have been like in that midnight hour in the dark and the earth begins to shake and those doors fling open and God says, not only are you free here, not only can man not hold you captive here, but I'm going to set you free because of your faith because your freedom is going to be a testimony to the world. What that jailer do that man that was scared he was scared to death because when they when, when they are put in his care if those prisoners escaped they would come after that jailer and they would take his life but because those doors opened and he you know he was afraid and, and Paul cried out he said we're not leaving again he walked in intimacy with God so he knew the doors are open but we can't run because there is a greater going on here than just our physical freedom and it is the freedom of this man and isn't it beautiful not only this man but his whole family his whole family comes to faith in Jesus is that not awesome that God did that through something that the enemy intended for horrible harm for Paul and Silas God turned it around, and he, he worked such a blessing in that. And I love, I didn't read what the rest of that passage said, but after those doors opened up and he went to their home and they bandaged up the wounds and, and everything, they went back and they told the magistrate what had happened. He said, okay, just, just let him go. Let him go now. Paul said, uh-uh-uh. No, sir. You're going to come escort me out of here. You're going to come and walk me out. Because I want the world to know. Not not because I'm haughty. Not because I'm proud. Not because I'm arrogant. But I want it to be a testimony to the world. That the God that I serve is this kind of miracle working God. A girl who was imprisoned in her own body and mind has been set free. A jailer and his entire family have been delivered and set free. And they are full of joy because of the faith they have in Jesus. Physical doors opened up. These these stocks that I were in, they flung open because of the God I serve. And now, these guys that you watched drag us into this place, beating us and screaming. They're walking us out now. Saying, we're sorry. Can you please go now? How awesome is that? I don't know about you, but that's just cool to me. God did that. How awesome is that? All of the amazing stuff. And then there's so much I want to share, and I'm so out of time. But lastly, gratitude never forgets. I didn't even put that in there. God woke me up at 2 o'clock this morning. And he said, gratitude. Gratitude. Never forgets. Are you grateful this morning? If you live a life of gratitude, you know what will happen in your life? I love this. You'll always be in the right place. You'll always lie in the right bed. Amen? You'll always be in the right place at the right time for God to bring that proper blessing in your life. For God to use you in the way that he wants to. You see this story in Acts 16 and and many of you this morning think, well, that's just a story. That's just something that happened thousands of years ago, but I mean, I'd never see anything like that. The same God, the same power brought Christ forth from the tomb is the same God who lives in each and every one of us if we are believers today I can't put God in a box I can't forget what he's done if you won't forget him you'll walk in his will If you're grateful every day for everything God has done for you, you'll walk in His will. And then, maybe not a moment exactly like this, but when a God moment comes, when that guy at the office or that neighbor down the street who has always ridiculed you for your faith, that family member, nobody harder to talk to to about Jesus than our family, Because they know us better than anybody. They knew you when you were a heathen dog. And so they're like, yeah, right, whatever. You've changed. When we walk in gratitude, it keeps us in the center of God's will. Gratitude toward God. It's important that it's toward Him. It keeps us in His will. And then those moments will afford themselves to us. I want to share with you very briefly... Not the entire story, but a story. I, I've shared it before. It's about, a, it's about a little girl named Dana who was born prematurely. She was born in Texas and the doctors gave her like nil chance to survive. She was born so prematurely that uh, she was, her nerve endings were so raw because she was so young and so un, underdeveloped. That her parents couldn't even touch her. The doctors didn't even, the the day she was born, they didn't even give her uh, the night. They said before dawn she'll be gone. There's no way she'll make it. They kept believing. They kept praying. And that mama said, you you mamas know the faith of a mama. And they said, no way. She said, no way. I am praying. I'm believing. God, please work a miracle in the life of this little girl. Five years later, this was in 1996, so the, this child's 18 years old now, I think. Five years later, though, they're sitting at a softball game. She's sitting in her mom's lap in the bleachers in a local ballpark, and her brother's playing baseball. Chattering non-stop, you know, just like that little chatty Kathy doll, blah, blah, blah. I always told my daughters they can say more words between here on Wednesday night and five miles to the house than any person I know. But she's sitting there and suddenly she falls silent. She hugs her arms across her chest and she asks her mom, she says, do you smell that? Smelling the air and detecting the approach of a thunderstorm, her mother, Diana, replied, Yeah, it smells like rain. Dana closed her eyes and she asked again, she said, Do you smell that? And Once again, her mother replied, Yes, I think we're about to get wet. <laughs> we need to get off the bleachers and get to shelter. And still caught in the moment, that little girl shook her head and she patted her little shoulders with her small hands and she announced no it smells like him it smells like god when you lay your head on his chest gratitude never forgets it never forgets what's got you in prison today What's got you bound and in chains? He is here. If you'll trust Him. If you'll look at the life that you're living and instead of looking at what you don't have, look at what you do have. If you'll do that, there's no limit to what God will do In and through your life. I've even seen it. In people's passing from this life. There was a woman who lived in this community. Lived for Jesus. Loved the Lord. Four months ago went home to be with the Lord. One week ago her grandson walked in my office. And said I want to know the God my grandmother served. When you live a life of gratitude, it continues changing lives even after you're gone. I don't know about you, but that's the kind of life I want to live. Riches, fame, all that stuff, I don't care about that. I want to see someone's life changed. By the God who changed me. And I'm compelled. With every day he gives me. To live a life of gratitude. Toward him. Would you stand with me? Lord God we thank you. For your presence in this place this morning. So much God that we could say. So many that are in this room could say it so much better than I just did. But God, this morning, we don't ask you for anything. We just say thank you. Thank you, God. Thank you for the car that we got to get in and drive here. And for the money that you've provided for us to put gas in that car for our family. Thank you for my wife. Oh God. Thank you that I have what I want. Help us want what we have. That's the battle. If there's anyone here this morning, God, that doesn't know you. Right now, in this moment, I pray they say yes to you. Out of a heart of gratitude, not complete understanding, not knowing all the answers to all the questions, but just, God, if you can do that in this girl's life through Paul and Silas, and you do this work in this in the life of this jailer, and, and you're doing the work that you're doing at Whitley, and I'm hearing all these reports and these testimonies of, of people who are being touched by God. Lord, I don't know all about you, but I, I want to get to know. If that's your heart today, just say yes to it. Just say, God, I invite you in. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for delivering me. And again, I don't understand what all that means, but I want you in my life. Thank you for the work you've done in this place this morning, God. We give you all glory and honor and praise. In Jesus' name, amen.